You better be listening to Slezoids or I must break you. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Next week, we're talking some of our favorite filmmakers, but getting a little weird with it, uh, going science fiction fantasy mode, which we haven't done in a while. So join that sleaze, baby. Yeah, we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Uh, and Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for coming up on five full years of mm-hmm. bonus episodes. There's like 120, 130 plus, as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films. Uh, so if you haven't made the jump yet, patreon.com slash podcast. And speaking of which, we did have a few people make the jump this week. So we'll give them their shout outs here. We had Jordan Sekarecha. Uh, we had Brian Blake, we had D Metcalf, we had Tim C, Ryan Fallon, Ben Jessup, and Michael. So thanks so much to you folks. I uh, hope you're enjoying all those bonus episodes. We yeah, really appreciate you. the support. Uh, that's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms, and I see the stats, I see you right now listening on both of those platforms. The Crypt Keeper's coming for you. Uh, please <laughs> give us a good old laugh. review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, please give us a good old rating and review down at the bottom helps us climb the ranks and find new listeners and the last plug for the week as always is merch if you like the poster art that based out of toronto horror artist trevor henderson did for the show you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of a notebook a pillow a hoodie a pen you guys have bought a lot of different stuff from us and that link is in the description as well as over at sleazoidspodcast.com but that is it for the intro welcome back to another week as always i am your host josh lewis and joining me also as always is my co-host jamie miller welcome back everybody Welcome. I think uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks over on the main feed would have heard from us, and we would have been doing our last main feed episode of November, where we had uh, Trash Fiend and regular Sleezoids uh, guest rotation member Steve Carlson make his fourth or fifth appearance on the show uh, to talk about some noirs some very specific noirs that take place during uh wartime in the 40s and are about the power of writing letters we talked about (laughs) le corbeau from 1943 which had a little bit of sort of like a community paranoia very fritz lang's m uh style kind of uh film to it and we paired that with 1944's address unknown which is probably i mean november is always bleak but probably one of the more like shockingly bleak uh and and reckoning with uh nazism uh during uh its its rise not turning into a family vengeance i guess spoilers a little bit there but 
It's uh, yes. very dark, very, very depressing. Yes, uh, on pr- practically a revenge film by the final frame, which mm-hmm. uh, compared to the more family-friendly kind of opening it has is uh, quite a journey, we'll say. Yes. Uh, so we haven't heard that episode two weeks ago over on the main feed for all listeners. We talked about those with Steve. And then last week, over on the bonus feed exclusively on the Patreon, we did a huge wrap-up for Noir Vember. Uh, we had to do it. We had to talk about uh, noirs and neo-noirs that take place in the vicinity of uh, fixed boxing matches, which, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. there are two noirs that fit that specific genre. One, the setup from 1949, directed by Robert uh, Robert Wise. Um, More kind of invested in kind of like the the humane uh, sort of drama of being an aging boxer and the brutality on his body and the industry itself. And then Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes from 1998, which is... uh, a much more a bombastic, <laughs> full-on assassination conspiracy thriller with a performance from Nicolas Cage that is basically just as manic and out of control as De Palma can feel at times. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So many great oneers and split screens and uh, different perspectives. It's it's awesome. Yeah, everything that you could hope for out of Brian De Palma yeah, making exactly. a, a, a studio conspiracy noir starring Nicolas Cage. So if you haven't <laughs> heard that episode, patreon.com slash podcast. That was last week's bonus episode. But moving on to this week, we have a very special returning guest that we had on during the early days of the show. And it's been kind of an oversight that we haven't managed to bring her back on yet because we we talked, I think, originally about Savage Streets and Stage Fright, which was a yeah. lot of fun and definitely an early episode any new listener should go back and check out at some point. She is a genre movie enthusiast and illustrator. She makes these amazing little miniatures that you can find online of like old basement movie collections and libraries and indie video rental stores. And she is also a a game designer who may or may not have done some work on an an upcoming entry in a little game series called Silent Hill. You might have heard of this. Uh, That guest is Melissa K. (laughs) Melissa, how are you doing? Welcome back. I'm great. Thanks for having me again, you guys. It's definitely been a few years, I think. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. And when I when I looked at that, I my, my first thought was, is that right? As, uh, we really <laughs> liked the episode we had her on. Have we not asked her back to come on yet? <laughs> I think that was like 2018, even like a very that, long time ago. That was the first year of the show. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's been it's been it's wow. been a long time. We've we've grown a lot. You've been doing a lot of stuff. We're very excited to uh to have you have you back and as as we uh, do it most we have the guests obviously choose the feature uh, the double features that they bring on uh, but we had a little bit of an interesting process on getting this one out uh, so because you kind of sh- threw a list at me of titles like you were sh- shooting a shotgun <laughs> in my direction and I kind of just chose two that kind of made sense to me but if you would like to introduce the two films we're talking about and maybe loosely why they might work together even though I kind of chose them <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they're actually two of one of my favorite films of all time. And I call them my chicken soup for the soul movies because they're (laughs) extremely rewatchable. And they're just very nostalgic and very comfort feeling movies. Um, Mm. And they are The Gate from 1987. And, of course, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, an all-timer from 1995. 
Yeah, well, and I and I was struck too when you sent them to me because I actually hadn't seen Demon Knight, and I was kind of just going <gasps> off the title. I, and I was kind of like, well, the gate has little demons in it, and Demon Knight. I'm assuming <laughs> the title's got to have little demons in it. I was actually quite surprised that they both actually have a little bit of a sort of wacky practical effect kind of sensibility to yeah. them, and also in like an age old oh, yeah. darkness versus light war kind of happening, and also we're both doing a little bit of siege violence to its character. Yep. So I was surprisingly like, hey, these two actually pair together better than <laughs> I, 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 expe- I expected. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, that being said, I think we're really excited to get into these ones. So let's, uh, let's kick things off. Let's start off with The Gate. All right, we are talking about The Gate, the 1987 supernatural horror film directed by one Tibor Tak, uh, <laughs> who uh, you might be wondering, is that how you say his name? And uh, my... <laughs> And I was like, I'm not 100% certain. But my 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 dad is kind of like Hungarian. And I was like, I think that that's right based on the few Hungarian relatives that I've met. Um, We're going with it. But he's at... And but despite the Hungarian name, he is actually a Canadian filmmaker, and I was super stoked that Mosa brought on like a like a like a Toronto film and a Toronto filmmaker. Actually, yeah. very involved in the Toronto art scene. First, uh, as a punk and metal uh, band manager slash producer, including bands uh, oh, yeah. like the Vile Tones and the Cardboard Brains. But <laughs> while at the University of Toronto. Uh, eventually, due to access that he had to film and foreign film in Toronto, he and, and getting also into music videos and short films and all kinds of stuff, he apparently did a science fiction musical called Metal Messiah, starring some of his musicians' awesome. uh, friends. That oh, was his wow. first. This is why it's not considered his debut it. film. This is his studio debut film, is what they <laughs> they say, because he he made so many <laughs> indie films. But yeah, he eventually hooked up with a local Canadian producer who offered him a look at a number of scripts that he had the rights to. And the gate was the one that he was attracted to. He said because he liked the sort of fairy tale quality um, that it had, and the sort of you know uh, getting together with your friends during your development when you're sort of creatively free. And I think he said something along the lines of, "I feel like you have to experience fear when you're young because it open up it o- opens up the floodgate to your imagination." So nice. thus, the gate I love that. was born. <laughs> Uh, but Melissa, this is this is a favor for you. Was this something that you watched in like the the video era? Was this like a, a rewatch with friends kind of film? What was your experience with The Gate? So this was one of my early first horror films. Um, I remember watching it when I was like eight or nine, and it was definitely scary to me at the time. But it was one of those that really enticing that fascinated me because it is scary for kids Mm -hmm. you know like it's a kids movie but it's pretty dark but I was obsessed with it and I got into these like stages where I would watch certain movies on repeat this being one of them kindergarten cop being another and (laughs) it yeah and so I watched it all the time as a kid and then I kind of stopped watching it a little bit when I got to college because I had gotten rid of my tapes 
at that point, I didn't have like a physical copy. And then I ended up getting back into collecting tapes and I finally secured another copy. And then it was just watching it again all the time. So it's for me, it's very nostalgic and it feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could I could definitely see that because Jamie and I actually just watched it together for the first time last year because we were we kind of had a little bit of like a like a group of friends we'd get together and each person would try to like pick a movie none of the other people had seen but they had and this oh, happened to be that. one of the ones that they kind of introduced us us to and I my my first impression of it was one it's a lot of fun it's yeah. surprising so in, in, in terms of how well uh, sort of like made it is on an effects level it kind of blew me away and my main mm. sort of if I had any gripe with the movie I kind of just was like man I kind of wish I watched this when I was younger I think it would have had a little bit more of an impression when I was kind of in that oh. mode for like you were making the transition from you're kind of watching Absolutely. kids movie and then you watch your first right. kids movie that's too dark and you're kind of like oh this is like there's some like Italian horror gore yes. and maybe yeah. not quite on that extreme Love of a level vibes. yeah no absolutely like in terms of children in peril genre films that we've covered on the show it reminded me immediately of something like phantasm yeah just because just of that. that i i love pairing those together they're so good yeah yeah and and i i, I think that that film i think has a little bit more going on with just in terms of being used as kind of like a metaphor for the coming of age quality of the kid learning to deal with you know some mortality and loss that he's going through and stuff like that but i do think that in terms of set pieces this is very very comparable like once this gets weird and it starts yeah. merging the weird family yeah. friendly vibes where you think you should be watching a nicer movie than you are and right. then all of a sudden you're getting legit body horror uh this is like yes. a really effective and fun movie to watch yeah definitely it like is. i mean that first time it's you know i think it's a good probably 50 55 minutes in but th when you see the dad's face melt uh, when he's hugging him <laughs> and thinking that he's actually his dad returning from the vacation. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then oh, not only so that, great. but his head falls off and it's like a rotting uh, head that just kind of squishes into the cement. And, and I, I can't remember exactly, but there might even be like bugs on it and everything like that. It's if, I could imagine if I yeah. was watching this at nine years old, I'd be just pretty devastated. Like this is it was ter absolutely terrifying, especially the build up. It was terrifying. It yeah, it does take its time. Um, and I don't I don't mind the first half at all. I do think it takes a little bit too much time to get to the all the crazy effects and kind of the more exciting element of it. But um, I do like how like mean every single teenager is in this to all the kids. I think that that's <laughs> like it really it really oh, makes the kids so feel like that kind of. It, that I isolation. was thinking of Night of the Demons a little bit as well, just with people oh, yeah. just being nasty to each other. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? definitely. All <laughs> the language is there that you'd expect from an 80s film, you know. Uh, 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 and, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, of course. But there is like there is something to, to watch like when he stands up for himself and you're looking at a 10-year-old say like just shit he shouldn't be saying. There's, some, there's something about that that... I don't know if it's charming exactly, but um, it's one, it's a, a thing of the times. And two, there's just like a uh, kind of like he's breaking free from the childhood, I guess, that he ha that he's having. Um, well, he's being edgy and juvenile a little at bit at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's his like interpretation of how to be adult, mm -hmm. you know, how to how to act like he's right. mature when he really isn't like that's that's what I'm saying. So um, but yeah, that like all the all the. The, the elements at the beginning, I think, do eventually accent the the like last thirty minutes of just pure, 
creature effects and body horror and, and yeah, just just a, it's a lot of fun. And I love we'll get to all these details, but like the uh, the I like that he infused the the metal element as well, like with the album. Oh, um, and that we'll get to some of that. Such but, yeah. an impression on me. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That yeah. was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, so like again, as a result, you have this Toronto-based metal musician turned filmmaker who liked this idea of you know sort of like kid hijinks and these punk kids wrestling with this with you know finding their imagination through this dark situation. So as a result, we have this story of three young children. For anyone who hasn't seen it, who accidentally essentially release a horde of nasty pint-sized demons from a large <laughs> hole in their backyard suburb, and it has a little <laughs> bit of that like sort of Spielberg or King sort of way of placing sort of childlike perspective into pop genre storytelling, like creature features, uh, even even little baby Steven Dorff, uh, who's in this, he basically <laughs> looks like he was cast because he looks like the kid from E.T. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, but it, it really does lean into the cruel body horror and almost Italian horror supernatural surrealisms at times. So I thought of things like Phantasm or something like Phenomena. I thought about a little bit as well, even though that maybe gets a oh, little yeah. bit more extreme. Uh, people also compare this a lot yeah. to Poltergeist, um, sure. just in terms of yes. again, sort of kids movie and horror kind of rubbing up against each other. But the opening, I'd say about half of this film, it's about 40 minutes or so, is is still, you know, uh, like I, I do think it it's, you know, it's it's a, because it's a little on the I guess what you could call the generic side. Sometimes yeah. that's why I think it just feels a little bit long, but it's still stylishly made. Like, I, I oh, think yeah, this Tibotak is like a like a, a pretty a, a good neon. director. Yeah. And, the, and the, the dreamy aspect of like the opening stuff when he's like riding his bike towards his house in this eerily abandoned suburb and the TV is on and the dinner table's been abandoned and you get these like elegant tracking shots and creepy shadows so as he climbs the treehouse into the backyard and lightning s storm strikes it and he falls and all of those disruptive sounds become actually him in his bed listening to them like tear down a tree in his backyard. And like, that's just, you know, like clever sort of, you know, uh, the formal creativity that, you know, that definitely is you can find throughout the entire film. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love the beginning. It has this like dreamy uncanny valley vibe that like it almost puts me to sleep. And I remember falling asleep a lot just to the first 40 minutes and then waking up at the end and be like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> but the, it, the beginning is very like comforting, kind of sleepy, but there's like mm -hmm. something a little off-putting and Kenny Valley-ish about it. Because like you said, like it's pretty much abandoned. Everything just feels very contained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I feel like uh, it's the, the first real big element for me of that kind of... Um, it's like the the I guess the the scary adulthood is coming to the film now uh, is when the Terry, I believe is his name, his friend uh, sees mm -hmm. his yes. mother um, and they have like all of the this like light, like this really bright white light lighting coming in. And the, the, there's kind of like um, uh, wind that's flowing the gown and everything like that. And, and he embraces her. And then when they come out to see what Terry's doing it's actually ends up being the dead dog. And oh, God. that, that seems like such a big switch for, for the movie. Uh, there's still a little bit of like investigation that happens about like, if I'd say for like 10 minutes before the things really start to ramp up. But that was a moment where I'm like, wow, they actually, at least momentarily killed off the dog in this kind of like Spielberg ish, uh, 
family horror movie and it's it just was like it, it was pretty cruel for what i thought was going to happen so um yeah th there's there's a lot of elements like that that kind of uh lead up to it um but yeah, I and do there's like, some, like yeah, super it's like a little too far yeah <laughs> yeah it's definitely like a moment of shock in comparison to the more sort of supernatural implication that's happening where it's like there's this big hole in the backyard that the tree came out of and the kids are kind of excited by it and intrigued by it and there's like primary colors leaking out of it and like mm. fog and stuff coming out of it they find like this like geode rocks in there and they're you know they're just kids kind of like having fun and also his friend Terry is given a little bit of an edge to him by being this like angry Metalhead. destructive like confused metal head of, of a kid who's always trying to get him in trouble and he's like torturing bugs which then turns into these shots where these creepy shots of like the bug zappers killing them and stuff like that like there's there's a sort of ominous atmosphere that is slowly cropping up in between the like teen hijinks or like the 80s glam rock party where like one teen at the party is like yo somebody get this dog a beer as the dog's yeah. like walking through the party like it's it, there's some really you know sort of textbook kind of silly stuff happening and you know throwing in these more sort of supernatural sort of ominous feelings in there definitely is you know helps you get through these this element I mean there's even a part where right. like it's almost Nightmare on Elm Street the wall starts coming alive and yeah. you know and and, and there's hilarious there's a hilarious like physical bit where like the hole is very clearly something is coming out of it and is alive in it and they just like put some plywood over it and they're like yeah you know, <laughs> that was so good. great they're like we're good that'll stop the yeah, demons and, and, this'll do yeah, and, and Terry's like you know what man I think you got demons I think that's what's going on like I think your house it's almost like he's saying your house got, like, has like rats or something yeah, my and favorite. that's because my favorite line oh, that he says is when the sister comes up and he's just like, we accidentally summoned demons who used to rule the universe and want to take over the world. And he says it like <laughs> incredibly just calmly as if he's like, they've been on this investigation for a while. So they're kind of used to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love some of the delivery from Terry. Terry's a great character. Well, he's I so love great. the metal, the scene where he figures it all out with the yes, metal record, where he's like that. lip singing oh. to the record that he loves. It's called The Dark Book by a band called Sacrifice. Uh, and what's the, what's the backstory he gives behind this band where he's just like, yeah, I heard that they, you know, they they basically they studied demonology and they yeah. put out this record and then they all died in like a plane crash or something. like right. that. <laughs> 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 oh my god, it's awesome. And I love that they use all the, the classic tropes of like discovering something with a metal record. Like he, um, you know, first it's the kind of the symbolism through the lyrics. And then he at one point shows um, Glenn and, and plays it backwards. And he's like, these are the instructions yes. on how to uh, shut down the <laughs> hole. Um, and I just, I, I love that they, they took all of that kind of like satanic panic stuff, I guess that happened with Zeppelin and, and all of that and, uh, just used it to, it's like the answers. They're giving them the answers to solve this, this problem. Yeah. The I kid uses that. the Bible at one point and it doesn't work as well as playing the Satan right? record backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I love what I do love about <laughs> the Bible part is that they're just reading anything that they possibly can because they're not very familiar <laughs> with it and don't know what to do. And at one point, they're just like, oh, fuck it. And just throw the whole Bible in the hole. And then it explodes <laughs> like a holy hand grenade or something like that. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, my God, hilarious. that was hilarious. That's, that's one of my favorite moments. They're just like, oh, we'll just toss the whole thing in there. And then it, it's like a grenade. 
it, it was great. It's so great. Oh, man. Yeah, that was like my first exposure to records, you know, having hidden messages playing backwards. And then every time I saw right. that Trump going up, I'd be like, that's from the gate. You know, and then it, I was like, oh, that's like a well-known thing. But as a kid, I was like, oh, you can summon demons if you play that backwards, mom. Like, you, you shouldn't play that. Like, be careful. That's awesome. This movie but, set off the satanic panic. I love it. Yeah. It did. <laughs> and that's now awesome. I invite it in. <laughs> now I'm like, can yeah. this happen? No, just kidding. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he discovers from this record that this, this little hole in his backyard suburb is actually the passageway between our physical world of light and pleasure and their spiritual world of madness and pain. And all of these demons are looking for their chance at revenge to put humans in their place and they need a bunch of sacrifices. Um, so about around the 40 or 45 minute mark, the de- these little tiny little demon guys they look awesome. just they do all of the, we'll get into it. The effects work in this is just pretty spectacular. Oh. Yeah. Basically, it, it, it's functionally at a so certain point fun. stops making sense and just becomes more of like a demo reel and yeah. a really impressive one. And there's lots of great gags and stuff in here. Like I do like the line where the kids are freaking out thinking that they finally figured out what's happening and that little demons might be coming for them. And the teen girls ring the doorbell to hang out with his older sister. And they're like, the demons aren't going to ring the doorbell. Like, come on. Like, what are you like? What are we talking? Like if they, if they come, if these little, these little dwarves pop out, they're going to come and they're just going to start, you know, doing insane levels of violent hijinks, which they, uh, do eventually do. And they are, you know, the giant slimy, like clawed hands popping out from underneath the bed is one of the first times that we see them. You get like the exploding melting phones. You get clones of his parents, which Jamie mentioned where the dad tries to strangle him with the amazing you've been bad. (laughs) (laughs) Rotting head falls off. Oh my God. Yeah. And then you get your first look at the little 10 inch tall little demons who chase them around in the very, they are my favorite thing in the whole world. (laughs) They are amazing. And it's this very tactile rendering of stop motion and forced perspective of guys in rubber suits. Yeah. Like it's crazy. When I found that out, I was shaken because I, I swear I thought they were puppets. Yeah, the, yeah, there's like a it's real like it, they're so them. good. That's what because I remember the first time I saw them and like there's there's you know there's a ton of shots with them. They really use them. So there's some that are more convincing than others, but there are a couple in there that look legitimately like there are just a, a bunch of little two foot demons surrounding these kids, and it's uh, it's really good work. And I was shocked by it the first time I watched it. Yeah, the the effects are by this guy named Randall William Cook, who did the creature and special effects work on Larry Cohen's Cue the Winged Serpent, uh, also Tom Holland's Mm. Fright Night, uh, and would go on to actually do a lot of the animated creature work for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films. Oh, damn. Um, And also, I I, I think I saw him credited... Yeah, and I, I saw him credited, too, under Videodrome. It didn't seem like he was, like, a lead, but he might have done some makeup work on that. Sweet. Um, I can see that. But regardless... stomach. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) An incredible combination of stop motion and forced perspective to create these convincing little creatures that are about as tall as our shins, but do have real weight of guys running around in rubber suits. So it's basically like old school Godzilla effects, but done in a in a sort of shooting style that would be more akin to like Joe Dante, like think like gremlins or like small soldiers, like having these little guys interacting with these larger figures that are in the frame and all of the imagery with them 
is uh just pretty spectacular to watch them pull on people. I like that b- mm-hmm. one bit where there's the zombie and the zombie just like who's like a construction worker who was stuck in the wall dead and he just like falls on the floor at one point and they do this amazing match cut to him smashing his his body on the floor and then all of the little uh, uh yeah. demons like right, actually landing out. and exploding out of oh, him and, and like doing rolls and amazing yeah <laughs> yeah it's great they, they also they also do one um where one of the little demons gets his gets his arm caught in the door and then it kind of like falls off and then transforms into a bunch of maggots and into a crawls under the door uh yeah there's a lot of cool little effects that they do and it's it's constant what's cool about it is that it's constantly evolving like you said it's almost like a demo reel at a certain point there's no real like rules that these demons have they're just they have magical powers and and they're gonna utilize them to the best of their abilities to (laughs) to kill everybody and and unleash hell apparently yeah it's great funny when i it's so they're my favorite little things uh random funny story about them so i used to call them ankle biters (laughs) i was just obsessed with them and then I found out a few years later that there is actually a movie out there called Ankle Biters that <laughs> is about vampire little people. Oh, yeah, never <laughs> Have seen, you that. seen it. Yes, is of it course. Good? I think it's on YouTube. It's horrific. So, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I think the tagline is like three feet tall, two inch bangs. It's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> That's an awesome. Don't ask me tagline. how I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is the like uh, the second half of this film, as we basically mentioned, just becomes a series of set pieces. You have like purple light and smoke and like leaf blowers emanating from the hole at this point. You get like the one kid, Terry, gets sucked into it at one point, And there's these really cool shots of what's like clearly guys in rubber suits, like attacking a giant leg prop. That's his almost like yeah. the effects work in like the incredible shrinking man from the 50s or something like yeah. that. And you know, there's it, it definitely to this combination of doing the stop motion and doing these guys running around in suits. It does make it feel like unnatural and creepy. Some of the motions that they're doing, the way they're like yanking him into the hole or biting him. And at one point he even like picks one so up funny. and throws one as if like he is like the kaiju monster throwing around a human or something right. like that. Like it's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, definitely. And, and having a history of just kn- having knowing these old school effects and seeing them in old monster movies, it, it definitely has an effect on the way that you're kind of watch this. And, and it makes it feel a little bit more sort of physically frightening at at times, like a, like a, especially when you're getting into the scenes of them, you know, like uh, popping out of the hole and starting to become more overwhelming in force. Like at, at a certain point, you're just looking right. you're staring down the, like the lane at like 40 or 50. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> It is. Oh that's before gosh. the big boy gets there. Yes. Yeah, which and, and he is just massive. Yeah, I have like cool. no he reminded no me idea. of uh, like a like a lizard version of um Goro from Mortal Kombat because he's got the like oh, the six God, arms absolutely. or whatever it is. Same vibe. Although this guy yes. is like a hundred feet tall. This this guy is absolutely massive. This big. I boy. mean, is Goro not? Oh, he's <laughs> he's like ten feet tall. I think he's pretty he's pretty huge. Maybe but this like thing 12. is like the size of the whole house and the end basement. And I guess it's coming from hell. So I would assume that body is pretty lengthy. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool too. They use like I guess that was that's claymation, I believe. What they do with the big guy, 
I would assume it would have, and then like some yeah. miniature effects, I assume with the, with the house and stuff as, as well, because yeah. like at a certain point they're just blowing up the centerpiece of that, of, of that, uh, that house and the foyer <laughs> of it and everything like that. Like it just become like, like after the bit where there's like the full cheese zombified construction worker who's trying to attack them. And there's this whole section where that I thought was really dark. And I kind of wish they stuck to a little bit where, um, the, uh, where Steven Dorf had his friend, Terry gets attacked by the construction worker. And I do love the detail that he previously made up the story about the construction workers dying in his house mm-hmm. as like, uh, like just to be mean to him, to right. scare him. And then it turns out that, you know, they're like, I just made that up. And now there actually is one, but then Steven Dorf has to like, at one point they have to gouge out Terry's eyeballs with a barbie because he's Oof. he's become zombified and stuff and yeah. like that like the eyeball thing was very fulchy yeah. yeah well and uh, and and same with the uh the eyeball that like when when the uh, giant monster grabs steven dorf's hand and like lifts him up in this amazing shot that oh, i'm not exactly sure how they thing. did yeah, like yeah. where where it's it's straight. He actually interacts with the giant claymation monster in a little bit of like compositing work that they've done. That was so cool. And That's a connection to a to demon knight, the hand thing. I think. Yeah, and then and then he has an eyeball grow out of his hand, and you're like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like the uh, that the rockets come into play kind of just that that whole childhood thing using it <laughs> yes. as a weapon i think that's absolutely awesome and it takes it takes a little bit too you see him set it up a few times before he actually gets to to set it off or doesn't he like keep it under his bed and he's like you'll just chill there for a while Yeah, they do the, a foreshadow rocket. scene where he's like disappointed because his sister's growing up and Check he's not gonna rocket. get to play with it yeah and he just he just kind of tosses it angrily behind the bed and you're like oh yeah we'll never see that again and then bam the big boy shows up and he's got to use it. Yep. His childhood yep. will save him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love the build up to the big guy coming out too, where it's like literally it's a bunch of guys coming out of the little guys coming out of the hole and they're standing there looking up and you're like waiting for what they're looking at. And then yeah. he slowly rises in the full frame and everything like that. You're getting like these Father. snap zooms on the minions watching on like the second floor balcony and stuff like that. They're like, our, our, our leader is here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have some. I love him. that. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, the entire house just starts getting rocked. Everything just gets destroyed. And in order to take down this uh, giant monster, yeah, he has to use his uh, his childhood rocket. And also they say it's because it, it, it represents love and light because it was supposed to be a birthday gift to his sister or something like that. And he's just like, now right. instead it's going to blow up this giant demon in our house. And I think also <laughs> the line that he says is, I think he wishes her a happy birthday yeah, while he explodes right. the demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday <laughs> uh, so badass right oh my yeah God. And, and it even sends Ste- little steven dorf like flying out the front door of the house and like shooting lights and fireworks <laughs> into the sky above him and everything like that i and, do like that and, uh, uh, that shot where it shows like all the darkness being uh t- turned into light throughout the the whole sky i thought that that was kind of cool yeah that was cool it's simple yeah of course, definitely well, it's, it's it's magical you know <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that that's the kids movie aspect kind of mm. coming back in and and that's exactly. the one thing where I don't know if it's like completely fair to ding it for because it's technically what it's doing. It's just yeah. it, it's on the more like adult horror side of children's movies, but it is ultimately a children's movie, which is why also it does have this kind of 
sort of magical ending where the dog didn't die and his friend Terry didn't die and everyone's kind I, of okay. And, it, and it, there's that. this, there's this cute, yeah. like, uh, like despite how gnarly some of the actual horror was, there is like this, uh, you know, we've, we've defeated something and we have kept the darkness at bay with, uh, you know, with our rockets and our yeah. friendship. I would have liked yeah. the, the scene <laughs> after. a lot of heart. Yeah, I like. I would have liked the scene after when they they all hug each other to actually have the parents come home and be like, "You still have to explain what the fuck just happened here." Yeah, you're cleaning <laughs> you this a, house, by the way. <laughs> you have a giant hole in the front foyer that's leading to God knows where. Yeah. So, but but yeah, I I, I like the. Um, I think it definitely earns that that kind of happy ending. And uh, I the only thing that really bugs me about the film a little, just a little bit, is the is just how long it takes to get to all the all the chaos because I think the buildup is important. I just think at a certain point you, you kind of get it and we want to go into the, the all the creature effects and all of that. But I mean, this is it's a it's an absolute blast of a film. I really do like it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I felt very similarly where it was just it was around the time that uh, Terry was giving the second round of exposition about the metal album. And it was it was it was just because I was sitting there going, you know, what? the metal album scene is so good. Yeah, and you can awesome. see him figuring out all that information that he's about to tell us. And then we have a five minute scene where he tells it to little Steven Dorf. And I was going, oh, the filmmaking kind of already did this. I don't know that I needed to see this again. <laughs> but it's right. but like that. But that ultimately like that is it for me and if we are pivoting towards reductive rating round this is like i for me this is like the highest possible three that i could give and i honestly am yeah. sitting here on the fence about it because i almost it's so well done i want to just jump to the four on it but i do think that for me it was just i feel like i i just i, I missed the boat i really wish that i was still like yeah. you know if, if i was still in that mode where i was watching like et and then one day I was like, well, this thing, people say it's sort of like it's like the B side of that. And I decided to like throw it on. I would have like had my world fucking rocked by this movie, yeah. I feel like. Um, and so it so for me, it doesn't quite get to that phantasm level for me where I, I do get a little bit more out of the early stuff and a little bit more out of the character work than than I do this. But. This is like a very fun, weird, ostensibly family friendly attempt to do Italian horror. And am I just like not going to like that? I don't think so. Like yeah, it has a like gleeful child punk attitude to it. Yeah, it's introduced. It's, it's a gateway. the young audience. <laughs> no pun intended. Sorry. It's a gateway. <laughs> no, that was good. It's a, it's a good pun right there. <laughs> it's a great it's a great gateway uh, portal to hell movie for children's with eyeballs growing out of hands yes. and parents heads turning into goop and the kids firing rockets at demons and yeah it was a pretty big financial success too for uh, uh Tech. so i i kind of i you know i'm definitely interested in going down the rabbit hole and seeing what he's been up to but i i was like man based on how he directed this i kind of expected to see a, quite a few more credits than like the tv movie version of sabrina the teenage witch and right. like some made for tv b monster movies for the sci-fi channel with like giant spiders and snakes and mosquitoes and actually now i looked this up He's now doing uh, Hallmark Christmas Christmas movies. Um, Incredible. Though apparently he's just parted ways with Hallmark just this year to get into direct-to-video action, where he has oh. latched himself on to the broy dude from Easy A and never back down uh, <laughs> to Wait, be which his. One is, is that the Twilight guy? Yes, Cam something. Cam, Cam, yeah, I'm like, yes. I know him from Twilight. <laughs> yes, so he's he's doing the he's doing direct to video movie starring that guy next to actors like Tom Berenger and Randy Couture. 
gosh. So he has two of those coming out this year. So uh, if anyone's interested, I will be watching. That is what Tibor Tech is uh, is up to. But yeah, this is uh, this is a, an absolute blast. So very very high three for me. I'm gonna call this the Jamie three. Which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of. I think I'm right there with you. I I, I think this is great. Uh, I would highly recommend it to everybody. Uh, it just takes a little bit too long for me to get to all the the crazy creature effects and all of that. But I do think the like we said, the the introduction is important. It just ta- it just stretches it out a little bit too much. But I love the relationship between uh, 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 Terry and Glenn. I think their friendship is a lot of fun to watch and them discovering all of this. And I love the the like infusing metal and I- infusing um, th- those kind of satanic panic elements like the reverse uh reverse lyrics and the the little booklet of lyrics that are like actually a spell to to summon demons and and stuff like that i think that's great i absolutely love it so so yeah Yeah. i'm gonna give it a a strong three uh don't have much more to add i just i i I think i this will be a movie that i if i ever have uh kids that i'll be showing it to them when i think they're ready to transition into some more adult (laughs) stuff because i think it it's kind of perfect that way it really is like that, that childhood film that that morphs into something that you're going to eventually see with like Fulci and all that with melting faces and and creature effects and all that. So so, yeah, a strong three for now. We'll see if it ever gets better uh, for me, but I still think it's great. A lot of fun for you, Melissa. Four point five. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. But my nostalgia, you know, has biased me. Um, <laughs> I think if I did see it for the first time nowadays, I would I can completely see how the beginning would put you off a bit because it does kind of drag but like for me it feels fine because mm-hmm. i grew up with it and it's also short it's like 85 you know. minutes long so it's not it is short it doesn't really exactly. feel like a drag exactly it's just i guess it's it's a little just more than what you made me want especially once you see all the creature effects You're well like, I, I, i'd say it's so it's, it's it's just a, it's a tiny bit sleepy and repetitive just considering yeah. how simple the premise is like i feel like you, right. you kind of get it like 20 minutes before the characters get it and then you kind of watch them piece yeah, it together yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then it explodes and when it explodes yeah. it's a blast yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah no I, I, Totally, totally. Get, and the only notes I have left here before we uh, wrap it up was one, we didn't hit the line, but the, we needed to say it. Uh, we accidentally summoned some demons who used to rule the universe to come take over the world. And yeah, we found out about it from one of Terry's albums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Just I hilarious. The, the, the first part there, but the I, the, oh. I actually forgot about the, uh, we found out about it from one of Terry's albums. I think that's great. I think that's oh, yes. man, that was so good. I just yeah, love the, Terry the also metal stuff. It's great. Yes, also I wearing crush a crush on Terry when I was a kid. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Terry the metal kid, who's wearing by the Terry's way a the Killer man. Dwarfs jacket in the film, which is the heavy metal band from Toronto that uh, <laughs> yeah. that T Board Tack apparently knew. So very cool, very cool. Very but yeah, awesome. if you haven't seen the gate. Check it out. Uh, see what Stephen Dorff of uh, Blade fame was doing uh, when he was a child. <laughs> right. This was his first movie. Yeah. Um, but that, I think, is going to wrap it up for The Gate. We are going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about Demon Knight. Stick around. Oh, William Sadler from Die Hard 2 and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. They're here! The demons are here! 
and ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Whoa! Thank you! <laughs> All right, we are back and we are talking Demon Knight. Or sorry, Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. That's right. The 1995 supernatural horror comedy film directed by Ernest Dickerson and obviously a feature film spinoff of the horror anthology uh, television show from HBO, Tales from the Crypt. And this is actually going to be our first time, I think, talking about Ernest Dickerson, which I actually thought was kind of surprising. I mean, I've, I've, mm-hmm. we had to have covered something he shot at some point. We had to have mentioned yeah. his name, I feel like, at some point. He's a legendary, legendary uh, New Jersey cinematographer, best known for his pretty iconic collaborations with Spike Lee, including Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X, uh, two of Spike's, like, obviously just best and best-looking movies. Uh, but he also did a lot of his, like, early foundational breakout stuff as well. Like, She's Gotta Have It and his college comedy that I, I see fewer people kind of talk about, but School Days, which is an incredibly colorful and musical film that more people should should check out. And he's also obviously directed some pretty excellent episodes of The Wire. But before mm. doing that, um, and um, uh, he met, and, and before then he even met uh, Spike, uh, he was doing some student short films, and he got his start actually doing music videos, uh, which I think speaks to hugely his directorial output, uh, that is very musical, or very music video inspired in terms of some of the way that he shoots, in terms of some of his casting choices. Take, for example, um, you know, he did uh, his big two other films are Juice, which stars Tupac in a crime film, yeah. and his other one is uh, Snoop Dogg in a horror film called Bones. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. Great film, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but between those two films, he did this complete banger oddity of a feature film adaptation of Tales from the Crypt, which has a insane production history. No idea how this ended up getting made because <laughs> yeah, apparently like it wasn't years meant. Almost, it seems. It took forever because yeah. I'm assuming most people are going to be familiar with Tales from the Crypt. It is the horror anthology series based on the 1950s EC comics and with an insane lineup of Sleazoid's core guest directors, including Russell Mulcahy, Walter Hill, Toby Hooper, John Frankenheimer, William Friedkin, Robert Longo, and of course a bunch of regular producers that are very very well-known producers on the show like robert zemeckis and richard donner and tom holland um and the series is, is obviously hosted by the crypt keeper this uh wisecracking <laughs> corpse who basically pops out of his coffin at the beginning of every episode to just do terrible puns and to bookend whatever horror <laughs> short that uh he is uh going to be introducing that week with a uh, hello boys and with uh, boils and ghouls is the one that yeah. he usually does yes <laughs> it's wonderful i love his voice it's so like weirdly sassy and funny uh, done by this uh, okay. actor named john kassir um but before tales from uh like the crypt this was supposed to just be a straight up independently made horror feature and it was written completely independently of tales from the crypt it started out actually as a tom holland uh of fright night and child's play fame uh just a film straight up that he was going to make and he got as far into it as actually doing some of the design and effects planning for it and actually the guy who did the effects for chucky 
uh, ended up doing the effects on this film as a result. Um, but it also, and at one point ended up in the makers of the hands of Pumpkinhead uh, before being delivered to Mary Lambert, who did pet cemetery. Um, and then I think at one point, Charles band of full moon pictures was trying to scrape the money together yeah. to make it that didn't end up happening. So it, it just, it, yeah, it took like forever. It took nearly a decade for just like this really cool script that they had. That was like part siege Western film, part like demon splatter pulp movie and for whatever reason in a way comedy yeah and that's what i was wondering i was i kept wondering like how many times did this script change in terms of tone by the time it hit tales for the from the kind of like a romance you know yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's it's a really interesting um like just path to existence and also just in terms of what it's doing stylistically and and what it is tonally and for anyone who hasn't seen it it is about this ex-soldier named frank breaker played by william sadler uh who is the uh who is the titular demon knight he is the guardian of an ancient key that uh might contain the blood of jesus christ um (laughs) and he is being hunted by the collector played in this film by billy zane but it is kind of suggested that the demon Night and the collector keep changing forms and this battle has been kind of happening uh old testament style for many centuries but the collector is chasing him in order to get this artifact from him and then initiate the apocalypse but this film mostly centers on basically like almost like a like a, a, a john carpenter-esque like siege assault on precinct uh, 13 scenario where uh breaker ends up in new mexico where he just kind of hangs out in a boarding house and with the help of a bunch of character actors playing the various residents of the boarding house uh he puts them through a sam raimi evil dead splatter movie scenario and bam you just that's your movie yeah, they, and I, I, I gotta say, I do like, uh, the tone is very, like, classic horror haunted house kind of thing. Like, it's it's always storming, it's raining, it's nighttime the entire mm-hmm. time that this movie takes place. You know, they, they, and I like how cartoonish all of the characters are. They're kind of, they're almost caricature-esque. Uh, right. And um, even the way that they're dressed, I think it com- probably comes from, and I haven't, I haven't really read them, so I don't know, but they, they come from comic books. And I know this one specifically isn't, but just the style, like Tales from the Crypt. I imagine that they'd have, like, uh, you know, just just more obvious and maybe even stereotypical um, ways that people, like, dress and stuff like that. For instance, the, like, Roach. He's got leather pants and a white, like, mesh shirt and a Hawaiian open shirt, that kind of thing. It just, they're very, um, like, flamboyant characters, I guess. Uh, and uh, even, like, Breaker. He's got the, the leather jacket and, like, the, the rough five o'clock shadow look and all of that. It's just... Um, <laughs> It, it reminded me of something more, I guess. Uh, it almost feels off type for uh, Sadler playing yeah. this like a uh, weary right. leading man kind of drifter kind of badass oh. kind of character. I'm so used to like Bill and Ted Sadler. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah. Playing death. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> playing it up a little bit. Uh sillier yeah but no this is this is really interesting because it it opens and you're like okay so this is straight up this is a tales from the crypt episode extended to feature length it has the same low angle push in on the decrepit gothic mansion on the stormy night 
you go past the rickety uh, dust covered staircase into the sort of candle lit crypt. The crypt keeper does his little cackle. The slime drips on the screen. Everyone is getting nostalgic. You know, everyone's have, being like, oh, the 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 intro I know and love. But then it turns into this weird like sort of book. It's bookended by this meta comedy about the idea yeah, of the, the crypt keeper. Be, yeah, being a. Yeah. Uh, filmmaker like it's revealed in this opening scene where the crypt keeper oh, is like funny. making this crappy horror film that is like this beautiful naked woman is like murdering her husband by dissolving him in acid <laughs> yeah, and, and even this has that tone of like comedy like we were talking about where she's just like yeah I've been thinking about killing him for so long it was almost better than <laughs> sex like that kind of shit right? like, it's just so over the top and, oh. and then she's like well maybe not better you know and as, <laughs> yeah. as right. you get like the husband who's like acidically falling apart and like leaving body parts everywhere he steps or moves yeah. to walk up to the bathroom to kill her Goopy. and I love that he eventually gets called action to like straight up slice her up and the crypt keeper stops it he's just like no this is terrible you call this action you're no right. gory cooper my friend <laughs> already doing his shitty puns and i think he says another take like that and it'll be nothing but bit parts for you sir yeah right i, I like the way they use him too because uh, the the crypt keeper he's got like they have two ways they use him one where he's actually walking and i think they do um that kind of like uh, some type of imposing or stop motion or something like that but then they'll have him in front of something like an object so that they can actually have the robot move around because he is i think an animatronic or a puppet of some kind a lot of the time right and um it, it, he he's looks puppeteered. great yeah I, I love i absolutely love him i think he's a great character your pal has gone hollywood in a big way <laughs> frights oh, camera action it's so it's fun. so great yeah. sorry i blame him for my sense of humor you know when i was when i was a kid i always tell this every anytime it pops up on the show uh the video movie shop this movie was actually one of the big cutouts that i would see every time i walked into it and so the crypt keeper was always this like kind of scary but he always had a smile on his face so i was curious about him i was just like why are you like so happy about being the creepiest looking thing i've ever seen in my life um but then I, i i finally watched something with him and uh just kind of fell in love with them and yeah i think maybe the puns might have spilt over to me a little bit unfortunately but it is what Same. it is he's an he's an inspiration character, i guess that's what i'm saying and, yeah, well, right. and as a character design he kind of strikes that tone that you're looking at where it is yeah. legitimately oh, yeah. kind of creepy and gruesome but it's just silly enough that you're kind of like well that that's a bit strange that's a bit off it's there's something right. uh happening here and i think it's really cool because when he start when when he introduces the film that you're about to watch it is straight up like pulling off like this like Western imagery. Like it is a highway mm-hmm. drifter, William Sadler, last talked about again uh, as death in the Bill and Ted movies. And he's in a car chase through New Mexico with this collector, this demon played by Billy Zane. And incredibly, if this film is the only, it shouldn't be the only basis, but even if it was an incredibly underrated actor who deserved oh, yeah. a much bigger career than um, he had to so awesome. Oscar worthy of performance. Yeah, I mean, like, and this is pre-Titanic for him, so, like, I would have recently really enjoyed him around this time in Twin Peaks, but also, uh, yeah. we also did it as part of our group watch, the film Dead Calm, 
um, oh, the yeah. home oh, invasion. Never seen and, that. And, oh, it's, it's a home great. invasion thriller, but on a boat with Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman, where he plays kind of like oh. the psycho charmer who makes his way onto their boat. And a lot of the people who worked on it were George Miller's team. So it's almost like a quasi home invasion, Mad Max on the water type movie. Uh, and Billy what? Zane okay, is I'm literally writing this down to watch <laughs> <Absolutely>. immediately. <laughs> is he's kind of well? It's interesting. No. Is he's doing something not not the same by any means, but he he's playing something similar where he's charming and, and good looking and he's using that as a way to get into some type of place whether it be somebody's life or in this case uh a building so that he can get the the last relic or the last key or whatever but i love that billy zane is is at least in the few times that i've seen him kind of using that uh, to his advantage he's is uh his handsome eyes you know you tr- he's trusting and then he's not Right. Yeah. He's got like the little smile. And then he's like, oh, you know, don't worry about me. I'm just your handsome little yeah. cowboy next door. But then also he's like yeah. totally hamming it up in this. He's like a, he's he's the most cartoonish out of out of everybody um, because he's just he's kind of playing this character, I guess, that's been doing it for so long. So he's every single chance he gets, he makes jokes. He's kind of doing the Crypt Keeper thing a little bit, uh, but with more Absolutely. charm. And he's, uh, you know, just uh, it kind of. He's cooler, definitely. <laughs> he's not he's not Absolutely. quite as punny, but he's well, yeah. always making jokes about whatever situation is going on. Oh yeah, like so like funny. Billy Zane being like, Do me a favor, don't scream. Just hear what I've gotta right? say. And then scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Oh, my perfect sense of humor. I mean, it has like Beetlejuice vibes. For sure. Yes, like, ab- absolutely. Well, and I, what's cool is that I think that somehow the movie becomes that out of what it is in the beginning. And it doesn't feel like it like breaks the movie or it's like a huge shock. I mean, there is one big shock that kind of triggers the movie that you're about to watch. And we'll get to it. But it, like like the opening, it's this road movie cowboy desperado, yeah. like firing repeaters and cars are on fire. Even and have Dick Miller. Hats on, or at least. Uh, yes. Billy right. Dick Miller song. shows up. Yes. And Dick Miller shows up speaking of Joe Dante's perhaps influence on a little bit of the gate as this like helpful local drunk named Uncle Willie who takes him in (laughs) to what is a decommissioned church that turns it out to be sort of like this motel slash boarding house. And you have a bunch like a murderer's row of character actors in this place. You have CCH Pounder. You have Jada Pinkett Smith. uh, You have uh, Dick Miller again. You have Thomas Hayden Church. Like it's it's pretty nuts. The amount of character you have the creepy dude from Zodiac. I always forget yep. his name. Yes. He, his his face will forever be impressioned in my brain just from the basement scene from Zodiac. Um, and soon this place is to, you know, be the home of a siege horror movie with an insane amount of just gore and, and manic energy. But before then, you just you do get like this little bit of a goofy sense of humor. You get the like uh, CCH powder being like, get that pussy off the table. <laughs> and, and, they're, and they're like, is she talking to so the local campy. prostitute? Is he talking? Talking to the cat, cat. (laughs) Thomas Hayden Church as a dude named Roach getting his nipples smoked by a car battery. Um, You have uh, Sadler is eating like slop out of a bowl and Dick Miller is like, yeah, and and he asks Dick Miller if he wants some and he's like, hell no. I'm just thinking about how much better that stuff looked when it was roadkill. (laughs) 
and uh. and yeah you have zane uh who shows up at this motel with the two sheriffs and they arrive under the impression that breaker is actually the bad guy because zane is so charming he's convinced everyone that he is the cowboy hero he's the pretty boy he looks like he should be the hero, the hero. in a film whereas yeah. sadler has that character actor sort of like weird weirder facial features that make him seem a little creepier a little harder from the edges yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh it's funny because zane is very much doing what rucker howard does in the hitcher he's very 100%. like he's, they have like the same jacket you know, yes, yeah. and he, he he's constantly like just escalating the situation and managing to somehow frame the other characters. He's not the bad guy, and Zane is obviously weaponizing his pretty boy charm and slowly doling out some of the the supernatural implications in the periphery of the film that are going to break into this mythological Old Testament war that we are about to experience. And then at and I had to calculate where this was because my jaw, this is my first time watching it. So my jaw had legitimately dropped at exactly the 25 minute mark in this film where Zane drops the act and he goes, <laughs> so fuck quickly. this cowboy shit. Cowboy you fucking, punk shit. You, yeah. The fucking ho down po dunk. Well, them there motherfuckers. <laughs> and he does that little dance. Oh, yes. so great. <laughs> and he punches his fist through the arresting cop's face and out the back of his skull. And it's such a chunky effect. And he go, his fist goes so deep into his head that <laughs> it gets stuck and he he can't pull it out. And I sat there and I went, how did this movie not spark a new screenwriting rule that 25 pages in someone gets a fist punched through their straight up through their face and out the back of their skull because then, it was it, it just it, it's a huge shock and i went oh shit this is a different movie <laughs> than i thought it was and we're in it now whatever it is yeah and it's already shocking as it is but then he's like i think he punches somebody else with the head attached to his fist yes and then he, he tears it off and uses it as a boxing glove yeah, <laughs> and then so just amazing. tosses it at the other cop and the cop like grabs it and fumbles it and juggles it around like it's just it, <laughs> and, and once again it still has kind of that that wacky tone even though the violence was just it's completely cranked up to 11 at this point and it never stops either um because at like once he's revealed to be the collector or this demon or whatever um it's it's pretty much a non-stop siege film uh where there's like different applications to how they use the demons and there's there's ways eventually where, and we'll get to all, all this in detail but where where zane's character is able to put them into this like dreamscape where he can possess them and then he's kind of uh, able that to use awesome. their body as bringing their fantasies to life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and then even like, and this is going to happen very soon and we'll get to talk about this where they, they grow the demons out of the ground and they actually show like each step of like the goop and all of that until they're finally the ones that you see throughout the film. Um, yeah. After he punches this cop, it just, it just goes and goes and goes. It's awesome. Yeah, and the special effects artist here, Kevin Yeager, um, he did the the creature effects for Nightmare on Elm Street 2, 3, and 4, oh, wow. as well as Bill Perfect. and Ted 2, Child's Play, and The Hidden, uh, which I was oh, I like, love damn. The Hidden, awesome. the hidden I is love amazing. The hidden. Oh my God. Yes. Favorite Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, that like, movie's so good. Outside so of good. Twin Peaks. Holy hell. Oh God. Yeah, so it's genuinely incredible monster and gore effects that are incredibly tactile and sticky. And and in in comparison to The Gate, we'll say, um, like, because this isn't trying to be a kid's film at all. 
like incredibly uh, disgusting and da- and like dangerous feeling despite the fact that they exist in what is like kind of a cartoon reality like it gets to the yeah. point like where it's it's beyond sam raimi it is like it's doing it reminds right. me more of uh th- what was that chow yun fat movie the seventh curse i think oh, it was yeah. called oh yes where where the, the level of gore to it was more shocking because the tone didn't seem like it fit with it and it yeah. was actually almost more disturbing that you were like this feels like it should be in a much scarier movie and as a result it feels like every character is open to just being shredded or torn apart at, at any moment and obviously dickerson too yeah, no one feels safe yeah absolutely and dickerson is is known for his colorful and you know expressionism of, of his shooting style like he has this ability to capture moments of like passionate heat or even moments of kind of what feel almost like surreal or kind of magical moments in in even his drama films and in interviews he cites people like Powell and Pressburger as inspirations he loves like the red shoes and black narcissus is he describes as like key pieces of visual inspiration which is so funny then you watch what he directed and you're just like I don't know if I see it exactly but I but you see it in in the energy and the color and you know like he does use some italian horror like deep primary color lighting in here but just how this thing moves and the way that it pops and it's it's really unbelievable to watch the canted angles and the 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 tracking maneuvers that he does and while maintaining a level of kind of like juvenile genre junkie glee to the whole thing like it, it, it legitimately just starts becoming bombastic yeah, I love like because mm-hmm. I was talking about how how dark the entire thing is, but there's I love that because every time he brings out a new color, it really it just pops and it's vibrant. Like when he does grow the the demons out of the ground, it's like a neon green. And then there's stuff yeah. where they'll have conversations next to an open window, and there's the neon signs that are outside of the newly formed, I guess, hotel or whatever that this church is now being turned into. Um, and you know, the mm-hmm. blue just shines in on their face. It looks really nice. And, and yeah, just kind of everything pops when, when, it, when things go down, like, or, or when they use the, the eyeballs, uh, they have to shoot them in the eye. And every single time that they do that, there's just this like green burst of light that spurts out of their eyes before they explode. <laughs> so there's just, there's just <laughs> these constant things that, that come up. Um, and I also like speaking of the eyes is that there's these, and they kind of, make a joke about it later on Billy Zane does but that one of the rules is to shoot them in the eye it just causes more chaos it's it's there's even one shot where one of the demons takes like five headshots and then laughs at them before they finally pop him in the eye and he explodes um so they just kind of they dive in they dive into the excuses of like just let's let how much violence can we bring into this cartoonish crazy event that we're showing you um and yeah it's just so much fun so fun it's a great gateway horror film to show people i was talking about this with my friend the other day how you know like it does have over the top gore and special effects and like kind of legit scary for the funny tone which Mm -hmm. i think makes it a great gateway film for people that like maybe aren't into horror yet yeah because you can still have fun even though you're watching bodies just get torn apart like when thomas hayden church like gets ripped apart there's also the mix of of billy zane doing his charming like devil thing where he's just like oh by the way i lied and then just ripping him (laughs) to shreds and like even the effect is kind of funny in in a way where um you know it's horrific because you're watching these demons just just tear him down to the ground and then 
uh, it, it implies heavily that all he's the being all torn the apart. gushing spurts, yeah, the yeah spurts just flying out of them, flying as if they're like just pumping it through something, and it's it's just uh, it, it's 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 that perfect blend of like cartoonish kind of wacky comedy, but then also just insane over the top gore that you. Well, and and as you mentioned too, like dealing so much in like archetypes you're kind of familiar with, but then putting those archetypes into a situation that's so, you know, strange for them and so wacky. And and so like as a result, the lighting choices and the canted angles start to make more sense when you're watching Mm -hmm. like what appears to be like a bunch of characters who would be in like a hangout Western movie are all of a sudden surrounded like Prince of Darkness style and the property has been condemned and impending doom is in and like there's luminous radioactive green glue goo blood just like going into the sand and out pops these like times that stuff is that stuff is fucking crazy (laughs) like 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 the fact that you're getting these images of the uh, these slimy hairy claw-like little monster creatures running around this this motel and green lasers are flying everywhere and heads are flying and all of a sudden you know he's doing things too like even with the with the lighting where he'll drop the the red magic jesus blood on certain places and then everywhere will kind of light red with it as he's starting to seal the house and protect it from all of the demons Mm -hmm. um but yeah when we start getting through flashbacks which they dole out I think really really well because they just I think it's his music video sensibility he'll just have like something trigger it subjectively in his perspective where all of a sudden like I think Thomas Hayden Church at one point is just um uh he's like using a sledgehammer on a door to try to break his way out and all of a sudden it becomes the hammering of nails to go into a flashback where they're crucifying jesus and putting him on the cross and all of a sudden we're in this flashback where you literally have like the uh uh fucking you have these dudes yeah, like they're they're sitting there at Jesus's crucifixion, taking his blood and putting it into like a flask, essentially. And you have these hooded demons who are like trying to reach out and grab it and touch it, but they're being burned by it and everything like that. So you're literally getting some of the rules and some of right. the things that would normally be exposition and done in this like insanely stylish flashback sequence. That's like, you know, what if these splatter Sam Raimi characters all of a sudden were hanging out with Jesus? <laughs> and also William Sadler fought in like World War One, and he, he, he it, so he's like 90 something and he got past the flask from the previous demon knight because the previous collector tried to attack them in like a trench just like crazy mythological lore happening <laughs> yeah yeah and once again like okay. even I think I think they do have uh Sadler explaining the things but all of that is just overlaid with with these images of Jesus in World War 2 or World War 1 and and all of that so it's 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 constantly engaging it doesn't feel like you're listening to exposition Yeah it feels yeah. Like, it's like very fast paced Yeah it's very oh. fast paced it never stops like whether it's it's progressing the plot and kind of um you're you're figuring out why this is all happening you're either you're either getting that information or you're just watching awesome creature effects and Billy Zane being really charming and tricking a bunch of people into into killing each other basically or killing themselves yeah all really. that stuff <laughs> We should talk about that. So that stuff is amazing because I like that. Again, we've mentioned that the characters are very much archetypes. And the thing yeah. that actually worked for me about that was that over the course of the film, they actually do get surprising amounts of like 
uh, I guess, personality or Definitely. like kind of emotional inner lives. And most of that is through Zane trying to exploit and tempt them. And I do find that it actually kind of lends the, the character work a little bit more tragedy to it when they are uh, eventually you know, have their arms ripped off and are gushing blood everywhere to like know a little bit about what it is that they want, what it is, as Melissa said, what their fantasies are. And we get the first bit of that with Zane making his way into the house by possessing Cordelia, who is the prostitute character who's really mistreated by most of the, uh, workers and and especially the men inside. Um, and he basically does the sequence where he telekinetically is trying to seduce her. And there's like this bright, heavenly, like romantic light coming in from outside. They have and Zane do ADR in his like soft voice and he's not talking at all. He just looks at her as he's doing it, which is a cool thing. Seems so downright great. criminal to treat such a pretty girl that way. Yeah. Did I say pretty? I meant it's like ASMR. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely doing like ASMR. Very, uh, very funny. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so interesting just, you know, and, 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 you know, he's specifically weaponizing, oh, they called you a whore. Well, that, that is like, what a horrible word that is to use on someone who's just a sad girl looking for love, (laughs) unconditional love. And I can give you that love and the amazing just like high angle shot of her looking down outside out the window zane almost looks like like it it looks like he should be his shirt open like billowing in the wind riding on like a white horse or something you know i don't think that's the image but that's exactly what you think about looking back on it like he's just the (laughs) open white shirt that's like white like gauzy like (laughs) yeah fabio kind of thing yeah exactly (laughs) oh god And all she has to do is let him in, which she then does because he absolutely tempts her and she, yeah, she gets to go night of the demons mode. She just transforms her face, rips open. Her tongue is flying out. She's tearing faces off. She's tearing arms off, gushing blood, screaming everywhere. (laughs) Oh my God. When her face splits in two and her tongue is still a hole, like coming in between the middle of them, I was like, blown away by that effect and her obviously getting shotgunned in the back of the head and Ooh, her eyeballs yeah. and goop like flying everywhere out the yeah, one side of to her the wall at one point and then slide down <laughs> like it's just so like, yeah cool. oh my god and later on too just speaking of that same similar effect there's a, a kid that comes into play from before he's oh, because god. sadler was trying to steal a car and he tells his dad and all that but anyway they find the kid and um, he eventually turns as well into a very similar creature. And you you literally watch like a 12 year old child's face just morph into this disgusting thing. And then he gets kicked out of a window and explodes <laughs> as soon as he's outside. <laughs> um, but I, I, the only reason I'm bringing it up now is just because it's a very similar effect and uh, it's very well done. It's awesome. Well, yeah, he gets to do the giant tongue thing, too, but he does something even worse with it where he slices open William Sadler's chest cavity with it and literally starts licking it. Right. The like the inside (laughs) of his chest. I was like, stop, stop. Why are you you doing this? God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, go, it goes back and forth between that, between like Zane trying to paint these really beautiful surfaces, which Dickerson just revels in making them as like so heightened with the billowing curtains and the light rays and the and just again, the, the, the colors of it and the steady cam maneuvering that he goes through it. And then all of a sudden interrupting that with just moments of really shocking and gory displays of like creature splatter art, like the one where he tries to seduce Jada Pinkett Smith. And, you know, they're literally mm-hmm. is like 
billowing curtains straight out of like uh that's a music video reminded, moment for sure yeah it reminded oh, me of tony scott's uh the hunger oh, the opening yeah. oh. scene all the so floating curtains he like hugs her from behind and he's yes like, oh, yeah i'm promising you the world baby oh man that would have gotten me yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, like the room Photo. doesn't even make sense there's like four beds all with curtains just <laughs> right. like, he's a, like a, a famous like what is it like actress or something and there's like po- oh it's so funny yeah yeah there's like a smooth like r&b beat kind of going right. over it. it's very 90s music video vibes like in a nutshell yeah yeah and, and she's and she's straight like up like you know commercial like commercial if it wasn't you know the devil trying to possess her a hundred percent yeah and he's like you know we can be together and you can travel the world as like this beautiful woman and then you get these little demon claws like distorting the image of her face that's on the wall and eventually breaking yeah. open to reveal breaker being just torn apart by demons on the other side of it and he's just like Snake look it on the wall too it's you can wild. have this thing but i need this thing you know and and billy zade is there just being like hey you know i'm Can't i'm telling you what the deal is up front you know like we're you know this is going to be a real relationship that we're going to have and it doesn't <laughs> work with it. him <laughs> so he seduces willie instead and willie is a much easier uh, dick miller is much easier to be seduced in this film it's just naked women just holding naked bottles women. of alcohol <laughs> at a tiki bar naked women and yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He looks happy. I mean, that'd be a way to go out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, and Billy Zane is the bartender. Why don't you suck down on this long, hard one, Uncle <laughs> Willie? <laughs> oh, that was so good. <laughs> and then you get Dick Miller turning into a demon and with the green eyes and throwing Sadler around the room, and he needs to get decapitated, and he's even his body decapitated. He's still strangling people, and they need to gouge his eyes out on, like, deer antlers to take him down. Uh, every single character in this dies like pretty horribly. Like uh, Thomas Hayden Church gets d- torn apart after making a deal. Although I do love his deal, where he's like, "You know this hell on earth business? A big fucking deal. I've got hemorrhoids. <laughs> right. Bring it on! Uh, Via con Dios, he's like, I'm devil. living it." <laughs> Oh my god! Just gets his chest shredded and sprays blood everywhere. Um, <laughs> And Zane, to his credit, he's like, he's dancing around the rooms. He's snapping his fingers. He's like, come on, everybody. Like, you know, time to time to play with me before getting gruesomely shot in the head with an arrow. He ate, like, he ate that scene up. Oh, yeah. He ate the whole movie up. (laughs) Yeah, every scene, he's like, I'm going to chew this as as much as I can. Yes. No, he is. He is just phenomenal. Um, And it all leads to this big uh, final confrontation that we've talked about a little bit where they end up getting into the attic and and the steeple, uh, which they do with a final standoff where the cop and the boarding house owner both like shoot down a bunch of demons and blow themselves up with grenades. And again, it's given a little bit of like, you know, these characters are making uh, altruistic decisions to defend the other people. And especially after two, uh, when the boarding house owner has her arm torn off and is like gushing blood everywhere. And I I I love that the next... Or were you about to say the joke where she flips him off, but she uses her (laughs) arm that isn't there? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that That and and the next scene where they're like, she's very clearly dead in that moment. And the next scene, they're just kind of like sealing her arm up. They're like, yeah, you know, you know, just put some bandages on that. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) What was like leaking, like gushing blood everywhere arm. Um, (laughs) 
it's just so graphic and so goofy at the same time, yeah. but in a way that it does actually end up kind of selling the danger and the desperation of their situation that each character dies such a horrible, horrible death that by the time, you know, like Zane and his ghouls who, you know, they are pretty violent and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And when Breaker dies and like hands his keys off to Jada to continue this bleak chase cycle where he's just like, you know, the, the when the stars line up, you'll know what to do. I can't <laughs> tell you how long it. you might be waiting like, a lifetime. <laughs> someone's coming for you and, and also he's like this is how I received it like in just the worst night of my life you saw all of these terrible things and this is just the way that it's going to be yeah, and make you sure have it to get through again. it like, good <laughs> yeah. luck yeah yeah. yeah, and it leads into this awesome scene where, like, Jada has to, like, she, she strips Final herself girl. down. She covers herself in Jesus' blood to take on <laughs> Billy Zane. Which, Very predator. Which, yeah, yeah. Yes, which then turns into this crazy scene where it's it's meant, it's like, it's obviously, it's a horror situation, but Zane's also trying to be romantic. And also, he's following the rules of the movie where he can't touch the blood. So he, like bathes her to yeah. get it off he of just her starts, starts like <laughs> shoves her into a, a bathtub that already has a, a dead body in it that's decapitated <laughs> and just starts yeah. like cleaning her and just being like well i'll just get all this blood off then i love how practical that solution is oh god I, like it's it, so he doesn't funny. come up with some like demon magic thing he's like i'm just gonna throw you in the bathtub like we're, we'll get this done easy no problem. We're just going to hose you down. Which and then we're going to do our beautiful little little thing right here. And I do like no that problem. she tries to like apply the whole eyeball thing to him. And he's just like that eyeball shit only works on low level demons. I know who makes up all these rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that this is all totally fucking ridiculous. I'm having a blast. With it. <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah, so b- great. B- before taking her out to the dancing in the moonlight uh, situation where he right. is just like pleading like her to like room. join him and love him. And he finally at a certain point, like through all of this, yeah, the spotlight dancing that they're doing, it's very gorgeous. He uh, he gets fed up and he threatens her. He's just like, I'm going to, you know, that's just it. You aren't taking this great deal to be my demon wife. <laughs> but he well, can't I'm going to cut love, your heart out. By the way, too. Right? Like, I thought that was yes. funny. Where he's just like, I, oh, don't I, you see I, that? I, 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 yeah, he's like, yeah. Like it's, it's don't so you, funny. Can't you see you, l- me? <laughs> 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 oh, Zane so is hamming it up so well. He's amazing. He's genuinely amazing to watch, both like physically in this film, like the performance that he's, the way that he's dancing and moving, the way he's delivering his lines. He's fantastic. And the, how frustrated he gets that yeah. she just gives him the silent treatment where he's like, what, you can't even talk to me? And then she gets close <laughs> enough where she eventually reveals why she's not talking to him, which she has. She's been holding a mouthful of Jesus blood in her <laughs> mouth for these enti- this entire finale. And Incredible. she spits it in his face, causing his face to melt like it's had acid thrown on it. He catches yeah. fire. Bef- he turns into a giant flying demon form for yes. no reason so that he can just explode. Yeah, just to explode bigger. <laughs> just to have a bigger explosion. Bigger yeah. impact. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's yeah, like like and that is that is honestly what this movie is up front. Like it's just things are just happening. They're getting bigger and because it's fun and it looks amazing and you're having a blast. And I have to respect that that is basically the reason that this exists. And you can feel it like Ernest Dickerson is having an incredible amount of fun. And I think it it translates to, you know, the the feeling that you have watching it, even when he's wrapping it up. It is like, you know, the cycle continues. She gets on a bus and there is a new collector with the same yep. suitcase and, and it's mustache. connected to the 
to the rest of everything else, he's whistling the Tales from the Crypt theme song as he walks mm-hmm. along the side of the highway. And then it connects case. back to the Crypt Keeper where he's like, oh, and by the way, she lived happily ever after, which is not at all the <laughs> right. uh, vibe that funny. we were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he's like, anyway, time to go to the film's big screamier where he gets beheaded by the producers for asking for final cut of the film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just great. And then he gets another and, yeah, and does a maniacal laugh and we get the theme song and the credits. And it's just now it's that's fun entertainment time. Yeah. Fun it ride. Is. Quick is ride. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really love this movie. I think it's a, it's just an absolute blast. And it doesn't like it I'm just so goes happy that goes. you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's so iconic and it's so like there's nothing quite like it. Like yeah. even Bordello of Blood is great, but it pales in comparison. I haven't seen that one yet. I'm definitely going to have to Oh, it's check very it out. fun. Is this you know, supposed the vampires. to be a trilogy at least I, I see right. in the wiki and then this was supposed to be the second one I think and they just never ended up making the others um, and then Bordello I think came kind of like afterwards when this was I guess maybe a little successful um, so so yeah I, I need fun. to check that out it's definitely fun it has a similar vibe um, it's great it's just not as perfect as this one yeah 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 well maybe pivoting i think towards uh reductive rating round on this one this one gets a very very solid four for me and honestly i this is my first time watching i might go back to it and see if i even like it even even more because i was this is my first even watching a dickerson (laughs) film uh so i was just was not like knowing the films that he shot this was not at all the film I expected. And he was, he's really good at this style of film. Like yeah. just, and I'm like, why has he not been able to make, it seems like more of it. He should have had an entire career of these under his belt. It feels like maybe, maybe just because this kind of film was slowly kind of like dying in the nineties and he, you know, he should have got started in the eighties or something. I don't know, but yeah, just an incredible cinematographer known for his passionate and colorful expressionism. He got the chance to make what is like a, an insane studio horror film. And he, in my opinion, he basically just shot it. Like he was never going to get another chance at, at yeah. making something like this. And it just, yeah. And I, I think because people assume it's maybe a glorified episode of the TV show and not a script that almost got made uh, independently. Maybe that's why it doesn't have as, you know, a, a even better repu- rep, uh, sort of, uh, what am I saying? Reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a ama- at every genre he's trying to do the siege Western, the demon splatter movie, the like old Testament supernatural war shit that he's doing. He kills all of it. It's gorgeous. The cartoonish camera movement and the canted angles of it, the insanely gleefully graphic monster gore effects with again, giant tongues going into like exposed chest cavities and shit like that. <laughs> Just an, an awful stuff to watch but hilarious and then you have a ton of amazing character actors in this again uh dick miller jada pinkett smith uh thomas hayden church uh william sadler playing off type and of course billy zane charming pretty boy psycho mode if you like dead calm uh, this is more of him doing that. And if you like this and you haven't seen Dead Calm, yeah. that's also more of him doing something like this. So he's yeah, he's really out. good at this. And he should have had a career of doing more full-blown psycho stuff that he's doing in this. Like, once Perfect again, one line we didn't get to. Um, all right, I know what you're thinking. You give up your soul. You turn into a demon. You look like shit. Where's the payoff, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good. Oh, my God. He, 
He's amazing, and he and he's perfectly works with as we were saying, Nicolas Cage in in Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes. Like he is matching the level of like comic book horror mania yeah. that Dickerson is is trafficking in here. And again, I thought of filmmakers like a little bit of John Carpenter, a little bit of Sam Raimi, and yeah, just blown away by this. And once again, I wanted to reiterate: uh, every movie now twenty five pages in, if you're writing a movie, someone needs to get their face punched through, and then have that fist get stuck in the head for like a couple minutes yeah. while he tries to like shake it off and he can't get it off and then he pulls the head off and you know <laughs> yeah I haven't seen it yet but I think the Fablemans could have used that for sure yes exactly absolutely <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully Bones and All has that <laughs> yeah let's hope yes um, yeah I, I don't have much to add uh, I, I agree I think this is a solid four I think this is an amazing film I love it's um, kind of balancing its tones between just this like wacky, almost dark comedy with the horror elements. I can't believe how gory it is for also how just just cartoonish it is and and ridiculous. Um, and I think Billy Zane, everyone is great in this really, but Billy Zane really takes it. Uh, he's just amazing in every single scene. He's eating it up. He's having so much fun. Um, he strikes that perfect balance between he's kind of like mysterious in the beginning and then charming, but still kind of... Uh, eye-rolly with the puns that comes from I guess maybe the more uh, crypt keeper elements of this of this script I don't once again we don't really know how much it was transformed but it feels and, like and and just sexy I gotta be oh, honest yeah, absolutely <laughs> right Those very guys, sexy baby. my god Woo. um so yeah this so yeah it. it's it's a fantastic movie if you haven't watched it go check it out and like Josh said uh, dead calm is another amazing Billy Zane movie so uh uh check them out really good yeah, for you, Melissa. Um, for me, I think I will also give it a 4.5. Nice. Hell yeah. Maybe maybe a 5. Ooh. I think yeah. I, yeah, you know, I might give it a 5. Like, I loved it. It's a personal Let's favorite. Go. To me, like, I love horror comedies, but only mm-hmm. if they hit the mark. And to me, this was like the perfect marriage of both of those genres. It's a perfect gateway film. It's sexy. It's my humor in a nutshell it's great so for me five yeah i can't wait to just go back to seeing yeah also most underrated final girl yeah yeah. jada's really good in this right i mean she's she's a freaking powerhouse she's awesome like she's literally a final girl and i never see her like considered as that uh and like Mm. all those generic like final girl lists i'm like hello like she's literally a powerhouse and now she's going to be a hero and she's now the demon knight who's Mm going to have the next like adventure that has all this like comic booky splash pop mania (laughs) to it i honestly they they, she should have they should have made the next one the the direct it should have been a direct sequel comic book they should do a comic book now that would be super fun yeah, that'd be fun too. Yeah, when she comes um, out, like emerges, just covered in the blood, ready to face the collector. It's it is badass. She has a, a cool presence. Yeah, yeah, and also that powerful silence that ends up being she's got Jesus' blood in her mouth the whole time, which is <laughs> yeah, a right? ridiculous thing to say, but it actually <laughs> makes more sense when you watch the movie. Um, but yeah, I think that is going to wrap it up for this week. That was the Gate from 1987, as well as uh, Tales from the Crypt from 1995. Thanks so much, Melissa, for joining us and for bringing these um, films with you. Uh, yeah, this is usually so the part of the show. Me. 
course. No problem. This is the part of the show where if you've got anything to plug, we usually have you do that. So what's going on in Melissa world? Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, even though it's dying. So I'll direct <laughs> you to my Instagram instead, which is my personal Mecca Melissa. And then if you're interested in my mini work, it's going to be under Mecca minis. I'm actually which you should working. be. Go follow both. <laughs> I'm working on some gate minis as we speak. PBD. Amazing. So yeah, Sick. if you want to see that, check it out. <laughs> Yeah, please go check them out. I, I show people the uh, little video store ones all the time because I'm just blown away at the level of detail of the little VHS art that you end up putting in there and all the little things that you make, the little popcorn machines and everything. Like, I don't I don't actually understand how it works. I would, <laughs> I would love incredible. to watch like a, like a t- like a time lapse video of you making one of these at some oh, point. Oh, I do have that. Like, actually, I have a you Patreon do? Okay, where I, need to look I show. At those. Yeah, I have a Patreon where I show behind the scenes of, you know, I do like whole videos where I show how to make stuff. So, oh, so that is awesome. Yeah, well, definitely go check out uh, Melissa's miniatures because they are pretty amazing to look at. Um, and also, uh, Silent Hill coming out. Yeah, that's yes. so wild. Next year. <laughs> Next year, on that. crazy. Yeah, huge congrats. Thank you. Very excited. Um, are you a fan of the movie by any chance? I am. I think nice. it's really fun. Me too. Cool. And they're making a sequel now, right? With the same guy? Yep. Christopher yeah, that's going to be a new movie. It's going to be great. That's so crazy. Very so awesome. crazy. Well, that is awesome. For our listeners, we are going to be back in one week's time uh, over exclusively on the Patreon, where we're going to be doing your patron-voted episode, which I'm sure most of you already know by now. We've been doing it for a couple years. Uh, but once every two months, the patrons get to vote on an episode. And you choose the double feature, You up the most upvoted ones get selected, and the one that you picked for us next week is two uh, of our favorite auteur filmmakers uh, getting a little weird and science fiction <laughs> with it and fantasy with it. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Michael Mann's The Keep mm-hmm. and David Lynch's Dune, uh, two films that maybe don't have the uh, best reputation. I think the patron who voted for it said they're they're kind of like dark horse entries in their filmographies. They're kind of outliers yeah. in that way. Have you seen Dune? Um, uh, do you know what? I have not seen Dune still, oh, even so, though I've read okay. the book and I've watched the new movie. Yeah, and I just haven't seen the Lynch Dune yet. So I am I am very prepared for the Lynch Dune. Oh, awesome! Um, and and excited because I think that and uh, whisper uh, whisper this uh, straight story are the mm. two David Lynches I haven't seen, and I just don't want to get yelled at for that one. <laughs> well, I have uh, everyone either. really loves that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can yell at both of us. Exactly. Um, so we'll be watching knocking off one of my last basically like two do, uh, Lynch blind spots. And we'll be talking about Michael Mann's The Keep, which is a uh, last time. I, it's been many years since I watched this. And the last time I watched it, I liked it. I thought it was very flawed, but mm. I, I liked looking at it. And I'm very excited to uh, visit it again, especially, too, because there is actually a 35 millimeter scan of the film uh, yes. kind of making the rounds on the Internet. So there is it seems to be there. There is kind of like a new way to check it out that might even look better. So. I'm I'm curious how I'm going to respond to it. But I, again, it's you know, it's it's Michael Mann film without uh, guys feeling sad and shooting each other. So it's it's not quite, uh, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's not that kind of film. So, yeah. you know, we'll 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 see how it plays out. This is a cool pairing and I'm excited to get to it next week over on the Patreon. So look forward to that. 
And then in two weeks' time, uh, we are going to be getting into into the winter vibes mm-hmm. uh, with a special guest, and we're going to be talking about some snowy westerns, uh, two that I haven't seen. We've, we we like snowy westerns on this show, The Great Silence, oh, one of so our good. favorite films that we've talked about. Uh, and on this episode, we're going to be talking two I haven't seen, one called Track of the Cat and the other one called Cutthroats 9. Cool. And uh, yeah, I'm like very excited and yeah, and I'm I'm down to get chilly. I'm down to get cold with it. Absolutely. Uh, and that one's down to have bound to have more dudes feeling sad and shooting each other. I feel like in <laughs> yeah. those two films. So, Sounds like it. V- very curious. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're going to be doing in two weeks' time. So look forward uh, to that. And uh, yeah, then we're going to be heading into the end of the year, Christmas. Uh, the be- best movies of the year. Oh my god! These episodes. They are, they, <laughs> yeah sorry it's on the way the uh, the best genre movies of any given year is always our longest and most listened to episode of the Somehow, year yeah. <laughs> so so jamie and i are already scribbling and uh taking notes and uh yeah we're gonna be watching uh a ton of stuff which by the way i will throw this out there as always if anyone uh knows of any like small genre films that not many people watched or maybe went direct to video and you feel like they got overlooked please tell jamie and i most of the genre films are on our list especially if they got like a wide theatrical release but it's always possible that something passes through uh passes by our attention and we didn't see it so please if there's like something that you're like this is in my top five and you know that both of us haven't watched it yet please just message us on twitter message us anywhere letterbox wherever and uh yeah we're we're gonna be <laughs> battening down the hatches <laughs> and yeah. doing nothing but watching uh genre movies that came out this year to see uh what makes the top 10 what what were the 10 best genre movies that came out this year let's find out yeah, i'm excited i'm 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 also just sweating thinking about the runtime but i i'm excited it's always a fun episode yeah, I don't remember how long last year was. Was it almost four hours? I feel <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was almost four it was, hours. It was definitely between three and a half and four hours. I'm almost certain of that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's messed up. Yeah, it was just three hours and forty minutes. Those honorable mentions a little faster, but we just can't help ourselves. But usually, yeah, it's we, just so we literally many of them too. we did an hour and a half of honorable mentions last year. So. <laughs> Yeah, we could we could I feel like we could maybe get into the top 10 a little earlier than an hour and a half this Probably. year. We'll see. Yeah, no promises <laughs> at all. We are. This is not us promising fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that being said, that uh, wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much for uh, listening and keep us easy. Keep us easy.